Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Y'all, I have the privilege of introducing Virginia Killingsworth. Come on down, Virginia. Yeah. This sweet, cool, normal, down-to-earth, wonderful person drove all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. That's like a seven-hour drive to come up here and spend time with us and to put some spices into our stew. And uh, she's really sweet. She's fun to be with. We had the privilege of eating at Pam and Rogers the other night on Friday night with Virginia. And she's, she's just, uh, I don't use this word, but I would describe her as delightful. She's fun. And she is walking deep, in a deep walk with Jesus. She, her life shows that. She is teaching us. She taught yesterday, and I mean, I was just like, this is so good. And you have a gift of putting things that are spiritual in ways that people can understand. It's just like Jesus. He told, he told parables about sheep and, you know, fishing and, and uh, farming so that people could connect. You have a real way of de-weirdifying the spiritual things. And... Uh, yeah, that's a Greek word, by the way. That's a Greek word, de weirdify. Yeah, yeah, it's in Strong's Concordance. So, But we're so glad you're here. We're honored that you're here. We're grateful that you're here. We believe that the Lord ordained this and stirred it up and that you are going to deposit things this morning that, that will be eternal for us. So welcome, 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 and thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all give it up for Virginia Killingsworth. Thank you, Pastor, so much. I feel like I'm way up here. But this is proof that God can move in a stained glass building. We know it can happen. I encountered something that, I, uh, that I'd never encountered as I traveled before this morning. So I'm standing looking at the clothes that I packed, and I'm going, what happens if I don't wear blue jeans? I don't want to find out, so I just, I just rolled with it. But, you know, it, I really, I want to just tell you guys how, how refreshed I have, have been in being here. And, you know, thank you, Roger, Pam, Megan, and thank you, Bob and Ann, and just all of you. And you said it so well that I can tell that this is a body that loves well. And that's, that's what it's about. You know, Paul was very clear about that. You know, you can have all these supernatural experiences, but if you don't love it, it doesn't, it doesn't count for anything. And so I'm just really honored to be with you guys, and those of you that I've met so far have been so gracious, so honoring, and I just want you to know how refreshed that I've been just being here. So, and I, I agree, uh, Pastor, that this is, it's a divine thing that he's doing, and I think the Lord showed me this morning, Holy Spirit woke me up this morning, I thought I knew what was going on, you know, <laughs> had my plan, and uh, he hijacked my plan this morning, and I think he showed me why I'm here. 
And um, I just want to, I am going to share a little bit about worship because it does connect, but it's a lot bigger than that. Um, I shared those of you that were here yesterday, some of this might be repeat, but I want to bring up the rear if you guys weren't here. There's a couple of things that I want to share that will make sense for this body and for Selma, Alabama in this region because this is not just about you. It's not just about this church or your family. This is, is regional. I believe it's even bigger than that. You know, you, I believe you guys are epi- epicenter of something. And I told Pastor this morning, I, I, this feels like a powder keg in a good way. And so um, yesterday I shared that a number of years ago I was part of a prophetic ministry in Orlando called Bridge Builders. And, um, you know, we would flow in just spontaneous worship. And I'll share a little bit, if there's time, I'll share a little bit about that, where that is in the Bible and what that really is and why we do it. I'll share that at, as I at the end. But we would just, you know, we'd start with songs and then we kind of go off script. And we'd end up in Psalm 24. You know, lift up you heads, O you gates, be lifted up everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And and when we would sing it, it was like the atmosphere would just be electric. But I didn't, I mean, it's the word, so it was awesome, and it's, you know, exalting the King of glory, you know, so that's amazing. But I didn't have the full understanding of what that psalm really meant or why it was like, for a couple of years, we would all we would just end up there. I wasn't thinking about it when we would start worship. Am I am I okay? Is this okay? Okay. Um, and I just didn't have the full understanding of why Holy Spirit kept leading us there and having us decree that and speak that. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. You know, our words have creative power. The, we're created in the image of God who spoke the worlds into existence. So that, that same thing, our words create create and he was having us create something. He was, you know, the Bible, when we talk about strongholds, what do you think of? demonic strongholds, which is true, right? We tear down strongholds, but it's a principle, right? There are godly strongholds. And so we were creating frameworks and structures that he explained to me years down the road and some things started making sense. So, you know, uh, fast forward years, years later, that ministry had dissolved and I was traveling a lot and uh, I was doing a worship event in Gloucester, Massachusetts and um, the Lord, I was on the keyboard just worshiping, and all of a sudden, the Lord gave me my mandate, and he said, you're called to behold my beauty and to display my beauty, and then he showed me a gate, and I saw a map of our nation, and I saw a gate where the top of it, you know, the top gate post was where I was in Massachusetts, and the bottom of it was in Jacksonville. Now, I, at the time I was living in Orlando, I was getting married in a month, and I was getting ready to uh, move to Jacksonville, where my husband's from, and where I met Roger and Pam and Megan. And um, I saw the two gate posts, and I saw the glory of the Lord sweeping our nation from east to west. And I saw all these little dots. It looked like a child's dot-to-dot coloring book. And I just knew by the Spirit that those little dots were little groups of people that were part of this move of God, this glory of God, this presence of God sweeping our nation. And I believe you guys are one of those little dots. 
You know, it's like people that he's connected our hearts together. We never met each other before, but it was like, and God does that. You know, it's like we don't know each other by the flesh, but there's a spirit connection that's a divine purpose that's bigger than even what we understand. So fast forward that, I didn't understand at that time. I didn't know anything about the history of Jacksonville. And I'd I'd actually lived there for about a year before I understood, before I even heard about it. So we think, you know, we were all taught in school that, uh, you know, the first Europeans that came to this, you know, this land were in Plymouth, right? We think of the pilgrims. That's what we were all taught in school. I found out after I lived in Jacksonville for a little while that the Huguenots from France were actually the first people to come here. They came for the same reason, right, religious freedom. They ended up being martyred by the Spanish, not because they were French, but because they refused to convert back to Catholicism. So they were, it was the martyr's blood spilled in that gate. And then, of course, a few years later, the pilgrims came, and we know what happened. That's why those are the two gateposts. And I understood what I had been singing for over a decade and didn't understand. Our spirit will take us where our mind has to follow. If we think our mind has to lead us, then we're going to be wandering in this tiny little box. So we let the Spirit lead us, and our minds sometimes catch up, usually, eventually, or not. (laughs) Either works. And so I begin to understand, oh, I'm called to steward a gate. Now, I, talked, I mentioned yesterday, um, sorry for the repeat, you guys that were here, but I mentioned in 2015, I had an angelic encounter with an angel named Glory of Nations. Now, this might be weird for some of you, but angelic encounters are all through Scripture. And uh, we don't worship them, but they're our heavenly counterpart. The Bible says they're, th- their job is to minister to us who are the heirs of salvation. So together, we advance the kingdom of God. We worship him. And so it's not weird, it's actually normal to not be encountering the supernatural realm is actually what's weird. Just saying. So I had this encounter in 2015 and this angel named Glory of Nations handed me this scroll. And it was an invitation into a council room to learn how this works because this was all kind of new for me. So if this is new and you're going, that's weird and I don't know, what do I do with this? It's okay, Father wants to teach us. And so this, this, this scroll was an invitation into council chambers where I could learn what I needed to learn, but it was also a map. And uh, it, it looked like an overhead transparency. Some of you guys remember those. And it was like three layers that overlapped each other. And one layer was the, the highways and the doorways in the heavenly realm. And that's what Psalm 24 is talking about. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and the king of glory will come in. The Bible says he's enthroned on, our pra- on the praises of his people. And so the second layer was the highways and the doorways in the earth realm. And you guys that have done spiritual mapping are probably familiar with this. We call them ley lines and portals, don't we? You guys that have prayed. Uh, if this is new for you, there's a book that I love, and it's, it's uh, by George Otis. It's called Twilight Labyrinth. And he, uh, he traveled the, whole, the earth, he traveled the globe with the question of why does God pour out his spirit in this place and not this place? Why does this place have an outpouring and what's different about it? And he discovered, he says, that he came in, he, 
he came into the prayer movement not as a minister, as a skeptic, because he was a researcher and he had all these questions. And he found out that every move of God in church history without exception, and he went back to every geographical place that was ever, you know, that there was ever a move of God, and he found without exception that it started with a group of people praying. Occupying a gateway and being a gateway. And so that leads me to the third layer of this, this overlapping map, and it showed the highways and the doorways in the human being. We have, right, if, if you're familiar, the New Age would call it meridians and chakras, but the Bible calls it highways, right? There's a highway of holiness, right? The kingdom of God is within us. It's not a New Age doctrine, it's Bible and doorways. And so not only do we have gates in us, but we are gates. And we talked about this some yesterday. We are gates of heaven in the earth. If you're born again, if you're not born again, I'm sure there's somebody here that can help you with that because you really want to be. It's amazing. If you're born from above, then the Bible says that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. I think, what is it? Uh, Dan's class is about this, the riches in Christ in heavenly places. Everything that you want, everything that you desire, everything that God has promised to you, everything that's on your destiny scroll when you came into your earth suit exists is already yes and amen in the heavenly realm. And we're just learning how to posture ourselves to receive it. And it's not in our flesh, in our that Adam nature. It's not that. It's learning how to learn to it's learning how to be who we already are. Learning how to live out of who we are in Christ, one spirit with him, so that we can facilitate that free flowing of his presence, of everything exists in the heavenly realm, to fill the earth so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters fill the sea. So I learned that's kind of the short version of what I gleaned from this encounter. And by then, uh, my husband and I had started All Things Restored, and we were meeting on a regular basis like what you guys are. And, you know, we kind of like, okay, we know the old thing. We, we know what we don't want to do, but what is this supposed to look like? And that started our journey of wh what's the point of this? I love how you said it this morning. It's not for us just to come here and check it off our list. I love that you've declared war on the spectator thing because that's something that's kept us in such a state of immaturity and has kept the kingdom of God from advancing. And he began to show me what this looks like. And I want to just share with you some of how this has looked for us, and then I'll make the application to you guys here. So I began to realize, okay, I am a gate of heaven and the earth, and I'm called to steward a geographical gate. And as a body, we're called to steward, we're called to be gatekeepers. But what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Anybody ever heard that in church before? Probably not. And so I started asking questions like, what does a gatekeeper do? A gatekeeper occupies the gate, right? So that Jesus is enthroned there. And a gatekeeper says yes and says no. So we stand here. You know, earth has been given to us. The original mandate that God gave to Adam was to have dominion, didn't he? Adam lost it because he let, you know, he forfeited it, gave it over to Lucifer, but Christ gave it back to us. So part of what we're called to do is to exercise dominion. The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness. That's the first verse of Psalm 24. It belongs to him. 
And so what we do is we take it back for his honor and glory. And so this is part of that. So as I'm asking these questions, I'm like, okay, we stand in geographical gateways. We function as gates, so heaven flows through us. And we get to say yes and we say no. And what we begin to understand is in our city, what we said yes to is what, what gets through the gate. So we say yes to love, we say yes to unity, we say yes to equity and to justice and to truth and to righteousness, and we say no to poverty, and we say no to division and prejudice and all those corruption. We say no to all those things, and we get to do that. We've been taught that we're at the mercy of the devil and we just have to sit here and, oh, it's so bad, then Jesus is going to beam us up. But last I checked, he's coming back for a spotless bride without spot or wrinkle, a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. So we get to do this. He's coming back after the restoration of all things, Acts tells us. And we get to be part of that process. He's God. He can do it however he wants to. But the Bible says in Psalm 19, the earth, even, I mean the heaven, even the heavens belong to God, but earth he's given to the sons of men. And we talked about yesterday, he can do it however he wants. But he chooses to do it through us. He's given authority in this earth realm to those of us that are made from its substance. And that's how he chooses to work. So because he set it up that way, you know, I love that God is not insecure. (laughs) He knew what we were going to do before any of this happened. When Adam sinned, God didn't turn to the angels and go, what are we going to do? Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He was the solution before there was ever a problem. So he knows, he knows our struggles, but still he chooses to give us opportunities to make mistakes and to recover from mistakes and to, for him to redeem mistakes and for us to grow and learn and get it right and learn to be who we really are in him. And it's, you know, it's that process. We're being changed from glory to glory, and there's some not-so-glorious in between there. And we all, you know, I believe everybody sitting in this building can relate to that. But this is about ruling and reigning from heaven to earth. And when the body of Christ understands, that's what we're here for. I'm here to be a gate of heaven on the earth. I'm here to live out of the heavenly realm and to let everything that's there be released through me into this earth realm, taking over. That's the point. Everything changes. The only reason that the enemy has had so much influence in this, in the, you know, we look around and it's pretty obvious that, you know, the prince of the power of the air is at work, right? Why? Is it because he's so powerful? No, he's a defeated foe. Never in scripture does it say that we should be in awe of his power. The only thing that we're cautioned is to be in awe of his trickery. He's not powerful. Anybody that's ever uh, worked, prayed for people in, in deliverance ministry, you know this to be true. When you tell a demon to go, they have to go. If anything will build your faith, it's deliverance ministry. If you want to learn who you are in Christ and what authority you have, That'll do it. The enemy doesn't have power, but he's cunning, and he operates in the authority that we give him. And when we take our place as sons of God that are one spirit with Christ, literally seated with Christ in heavenly places and allowing heaven to flow through us into the earth, his authority will be displaced. He's only there because we're not. When you go go home, if if you've been out, 
uh, in the evening and you come home and it's dark and you forgot to leave the lights on, do you, you know, you unlock your door and you walk into your living room, do you start screaming at darkness? I hate that my room is so dark. Get out of here, darkness. What do you do? You flip the light on. What happens? Because darkness isn't a thing. It's absence of a thing. Now, I'm not saying there's not a literal adversary. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he only has room to operate when we're not doing what we're called to do, and we just haven't understood what that is. And I love what you said, Bob, is like we've, we've been trained, we've been conformed to this world, and we've been conformed to TV, movies, concerts, watching the news. We've, we've been conformed. We've got generation upon generation that have been trained to be spectators, right? Or armchair quarterbacks, right? <laughs> Do we have any of those here? You, you know, you're, you're gonna, if that team would just listen to you while you're sitting on your couch, they would be, yeah, they'd win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so we've been, that's been so deeply ingrained in us that that bleeds over into what we do here and we don't realize that we're not spectators, we're participators. And not only that, we have authority and dominion. Now we have to grow up. That's the hard part. <laughs> we talked about yesterday, you know, Galatians 4 says, you know, Jesus said, all authority is given unto you in heaven and earth. We all know that scripture, don't we? The greater works right? We all know that. We've all probably prayed. I want to, anybody said that? Sign me up. The greater works. We probably all have said things like that. But Galatians 4 says that the heir, as long as he's a child, doesn't differ from a servant. He has to grow to maturity in order to be able to walk in the practical outworking of what he has positionally. So that's where we are as a body. We're having to overcome in here, right? Everybody in this building, if you think of your life right now, you have something that you're overcoming. You might feel like you're not overcoming it. You might feel like it's kicking your behind, but it's been given to you to overcome, and there is a strategy, and there is grace. And the Father will help you, and it's not, now the enemy might have his hand in it, but God is working all things together for your good, because this is your overcoming. This is your maturation. And when you overcome it, you'll have authority, a double portion of authority over it, not just for yourself, but for those that you minister to. And even in the atmosphere, we don't realize that who we are resonates into this earth realm, even when we're not saying and doing anything. Just because of who we are, we have more power than we ever dreamed. And again, it's not in our flesh. It's out of our oneness with Christ. As we reckon ourselves dead and as he lives his life through us, that's how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth. So I begin to understand all this. The Lord started connecting these dots for me. And in our corporate gatherings, we started asking, what does this look like for a group of people that we're not just here for what's in it for me? We're not, just, we're not even here just for evangelism, although we have to have that. It's even bigger than that. We're here to take over. <laughs> you know, and that probably sounds audacious, but when you look at Scripture, the people that, that God really loved and really praised, they were aud audacious. David, you know? I can take them, you know, all that Jacob, all the ones that were just audacious, somehow that pleases God. He loves that faith and that raw, radical abandon. So yeah, it is audacious. But again, we know it's because of the, it's because of the blood of Christ. It's not 
anything that we are in ourselves, but because he purchased this victory for us on the cross, yeah, we've come to take over. And it's not hard. It's not, it's just learning to be who we really are. So I want to share a little bit about what this has looked like for our body and a little bit of what I really feel is on God's heart for you guys. So we started, um, our, our ministry is called All Things Restored. And so one of the things that we started doing is we started just having little small group prayer meetings, uh, but it was legislating. So it wasn't, we'd get together just small groups of like 10 or 12, and it wasn't, oh God, please do this. It was, I'm going to turn my attention to the fact that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to become aware of that reality, however he allows me to, and from that place of authority, right, because that place, we're seated above principalities, powers, rulers, thrones, and dominions. From that place, we decree according to the heart of the Father, not just arbitrary, not out of self-will or, or greed or any of that stuff. That's understood that we're not in that place, that we're submitted to God first, right? Like the Roman centurion, we're under authority and we're in authority. If we're not submitted to God fully, then this, forget, we got to start there. <laughs> but from that place of submission, we get the mind and the heart of the Father, and then we would decree into our city, into the earth. So our first assignment, you know, like you guys, we kind of, when we, we started in our home, and then we bounced around, you know, a few different places, and then uh, for about three or four years, we had a building <laughs> that was next to um, the Islamic Center, and it's one of the 12 Islamic, uh, is the main Islamic centers in the nation, one of the 12, and we were right next door. <laughs> and we didn't even get, we didn't even understand for a few years why we were there. And then what happened is unexpectedly, our lease was up uh, and the, the landlord didn't renew the lease. And we had to move right across the street. There was a church in Jacksonville that had been uh, just one of the cornerstones of the moves of God in past seasons and that was across the street. And they'd let us meet in their little clubhouse. And so we thought we'd be there for three months. We ended up being there like a year. And it was really, you know, it was just not an ideal setting. We didn't have a room for the kids. We had to break down and set up equipment every week. And it was just, and we were just get kind of Get, we were kind of complaining a little bit about it, and like, why are we here so long? What happened is the next thing we know, we pull up uh, to, you know, to set up for church one week, and we see a for sale sign outside the front of the church. And so, you know, we call the guy that, you know, we're like, did you forget to tell us something? Oh, yeah, by the way, we're, you know, it probably won't sell. It was a big piece of property. Probably won't sell very quick, and we're like, okay. And then we realized why the Lord had had us there for so long. It was there, we were there about a year. We realized that the enemy was going to try to expand the, uh, Islam and was going to try to get that property and that we were there as gatekeepers to say no. So from our place in the heavenly realm where we have authority, we just prayed and we decreed and declared and we said no. You know, this, you know, this ground is holy. You know, so many, you know, for 40 years, people had gotten saved and gotten the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, th this, this particular church in Jacksonville, they were on the cutting edge back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, they were multi, multiracial. They were just cutting edge. And, and I think they made, they were some of the key 
probably the key church in our city that uh, where Jacksonville never had uh, a lot of race riots and stuff like that. And we felt like that God honored these pastors. You know, they're, they're older now. And so we're like, this is the heritage of this place, and this will not be usurped by darkness. So we stood, and we decreed, and we declared that. We felt like the Lord, you know, we went into the courts of heaven. Some of you guys might be familiar with the concept of the courts of heaven. I'm not going to really get into that today. But if that's a new concept for you, uh, Robert Henderson has a really great book about it. And we just, you know, we just legislated and prayed and decreed what we felt like was the heart of the Father. And we felt like he said, you know, I've granted your request. And that was the end of it. You know, we weren't yelling and screaming. We just did. We did what we know we can do in Christ. Like two days later, we get a call from, um, Ka- I don't know if any of you are familiar with Kathy Walters. She's a prophetic minister. And she called one of our friends and said, I was driving my car from Georgia crossing the Florida line, and I had this open vision of this uh, Middle Eastern, this spirit with a turban, you know, like a Middle Eastern turban with a snake brooch on the front of it, and uh, he was not allowed to go any farther. Do you know what this means? And my friend is like, uh, yeah, I know the people that just prayed about this. So the Lord confirmed from somebody that had no idea what was going on that he'd granted our request. It was the Father's heart to start with, but he works in the earth through us, so he needed that point of agreement. He needed our mouths. He needed our bodies. He needed our agreement because earth has been given to us. And so that, that let us know, okay, it's a done deal. We had a year earlier, the place that we're meeting right now, we're renting a space from the Jacksonville House of Prayer. A year earlier, we had asked them, can we rent this space? And they're like, no, we don't do that. And... Um, after we got that verdict, like two days later, I see, a, I see a post on Facebook, does anybody want to rent our building? I called them, and we were there the next week. So the Lord had us in that, as a body in that specific geographical region for that assignment. You're not just here to sit in a pew. We have a job to do. It's not always easy, but it's fun. And another, I want to share one other way that this has looked like for us as a body. It'll look different for you guys, but this will give you a grid for what it can look like to rule and reign from heaven to earth as a group of people, as an ecclesia. You know, when Jesus talked about the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some of you might be familiar with this. That's the Greek word ecclesia. It's a governmental term. It's talking about a group of people that legislate, not spectate. So one other thing that it looked like, so again, in the small group, you know, it wasn't everybody, you know, uh, it was the people that we felt were, you know, called to do this. And we were legislating about, you know, global stuff and just different things. And the Lord has had us, after that incident with the, the Islam, we moved to the place where we are now. And the Lord said, this is the heart gate of the city. And it is, it's right in downtown. We're right on the St. John's River. We're over the whole back of the building is is glass, and we see the cityscape. And the Lord said to us, you know, he let us know the responsibility that we are carrying because he said, as it goes in your heart, so it goes in the heart of the body of Christ in the city. And as it goes in the heart of the body of Christ in the city, so it will go in the city. That's a responsibility. And so, you know what happened? (laughs) 
Our hearts were revealed, right? So you get there and we're like, woohoo, we're in the heart gate. And then all this, you have to see all your ugly. <laughs> because it's in, it's, in, it's in our hearts, right? So we have to see it and repent and, you know, let him cleanse us. But what's in us affects what's around us because it's how God has established it to be. So we're praying about the city, and um, Roger and Pam, Megan, you guys probably remember the landing. There was a place in downtown Orlando, right, I mean, downtown Jacksonville, right on the water, and I guess at one point it was really a happening place, but since maybe the 80s or 90s, it was just nothing would thrive down there. Like, no stores could, it was just dead. And it had all this potential, but it was right in the heart of the city, and it was just nothing. And so right about the time that the Lord is having us legislate about the city and everything that's going on there, they demolished it. And there was all this city stuff of what are we going to build there? And, you know, everybody wants their hands in it, and some people, you know, want stuff that's just going to profit them and, you know, city politics and so we get in work like lord we're going to legislate this and so we're waiting like father what do you want and we hear nothing and we hear nothing and we hear nothing and finally he says what do you want and we didn't know (laughs) we were so used to him telling us what to do and remember yesterday we talked about sometimes as we grow he steps back Because it's like we know his ways. Okay, we've done this together five or six times. You know what I'm like. You, you, what do you want? And he was basically saying to us, draw on the canvas of your city. Your heart has been conformed to mine. Draw on the canvas of the city what you want because your heart is my heart now. And we didn't know what to do. We freaked out. And it took us a while before we even knew it was just uncomfortable. It was like he'd given us more authority and we were just like, tell us what to do. But he knew we had been conformed to his ways, and he knew we needed to take that step of growth. So finally, I remembered my my birth family is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I remembered this really cool place in their downtown cityscape that's called the Gathering Place, and it's this beautiful park. And so the Lord gave me, he let me cheat. He gave me something that I'd already seen in the natural realm and say, I want that. And I think that's what's getting ready to happen. It's not for sure yet. But this is what it can look for, you guys. I'm going to share one more thing, and then I'm going to make the application to Selma. So it can happen, you know, there's the micro, that's our city, but there's the macro, there's also the micro. I shared this with some of you guys uh, since I've been here, but my husband and I live in a part of Jacksonville called Arlington, and it was back in the, I guess, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it was like the happening place. Well, it's stif- stuff's still happening, it's just different stuff now. <laughs> and so it's, um, and, but the Lord had us, he, it's a long story how he put us there. We wanted to be somewhere else, and he he wanted us there. And so the neighborhood it just completely went downhill. There was a drug house next to us and across the street. We had we had a drive-by during a prayer meeting we had at our house. I almost ran over an overdosed guy on my driveway coming home one night. Um, I mean, it, we, my husband and I got out of the car one night, and this guy in the yard next door fired a gun like 40 feet from us. And I'm just irritated. Because I wrote this book called Miracles Are Normal, and we're legislating, and light overtakes darkness. And my prayer room, I have a sunroom. It's all glass, and it's on the side of this house where all this stuff is happening. And we've been ministering to these people for 10 years and loving them and praying for them, setting boundaries, but just, you know, being 
be in the hands and the heart of God to these people, and nothing is happening. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And I remember this one day, I'm having complaining intercession to the Lord. I just remember saying, Lord, you said light overtakes darkness. Now what gives? We've been praying, you know, I'd release, you know, Shundai, you know, over there, and nothing, you know, it's just getting worse. But finally, it did that, you know, the house got raided, and the cool thing is, the woman, um, she, she, we had some really good conversations, and she didn't know anything about the Lord, but I could just see, you know, you can see, you can see the real person through all this stuff, right? And I always knew there was just this diamond in there. And so what ended up happening is the Lord got her out of there right before the raid happened, so everybody else went to jail, and she didn't. And I'd been talking to her about Teen Challenge, and she was backpedaling because that's a year, you know, and that's forever and all this. And so long story short, we end up helping her get in Teen Challenge. We renovated the house because it was like a dump, like I can't even tell you. So it was so awful. We renovated the house. I did most of it myself. And we, we had missionaries. We, we uh, rented it out to missionaries while she was in the program because we wanted it filled with the presence of God and prayer and worship. And then she's back home now. She's been home since August, and she's doing amazing. The reason I'm sharing this is because that was epicenter of the change that began to happen. And we began to decree and declare, Lord, you put us here. Light overtakes darkness. We're worshiping you. We're praying. We're loving people. And we know what happens. It might not happen overnight. It might not happen when we think it needs to happen, but it will happen because it's how it works. It has to happen that way. He put us there. It was not our idea. So house next door, you know, it's like dominoes, right? So the house next door, total transformation. Then it was the house across the street. Some guy bought it and kicked out all the hoodlums, and now it's beautiful. And then um, then, uh, there's a college that's, you know, not too far from us, then they start doing all these amazing renovations that are kind of moving toward us. And then we're sandwiched in between two dead shopping centers that landlords are both using for tax write-offs. And one of them just got sold, and it's in the process of being right. Everything is changing. That was not an accident, (laughs) right? It was by divine design, and it took me almost a decade to figure it out. (laughs) A little slow sometimes. But this is how it works for all of us, not for super spiritual. No, if you're born again, then the God who created everything lives inside of you. And this is how it works. We're just having to learn to be who we really are instead of living out of who we're not. And when that happens, when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, When what happened in us, in our spirit, instantly, when we're born from above, when it works its way all the way out, it transforms our soul, right? The lies that we believe start to fade, right? Our emotions are healed. Our will comes under the government of God, right? We we mature. We grow up. Then it starts transforming our body, right? Our body follows our soul, which follows our spirit. And then we start to see healings divine health manifest in our physical body, resurrections, those kinds of things. And then it flows out of us. And again, that's, I've said it already today, that's how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters fill the sea. So what does this mean for you guys? I wasn't planning on sharing any of this, and the Lord woke me up this morning. I was like, this is why you're here. Obviously, Selma, Alabama is a gate. 
I mean, hello. Look what was ushered through this gate that has changed the world 50 years ago. This gate, what came through this gate, changed the world. No kidding. I mean, really. So what's, I believe what's happened is the enemy wants to occupy gates, right, so that heaven can't flow through them. So maybe sitting in this gate right now might be spirit of poverty, might be some corruption, might be still some prejudice, whatever, I don't know. You know your city better than I do. But I know that you're here for a reason. Nobody is here by accident. You are here by divine design. If you're sitting here, you said yes to this before you came into your earth suit. And you're not here to spectate. You're here to release heaven into the earth to change everything. What happens in you and what happens in you individually and what happens in you guys corporately is released through this gate. It changes this city. It changes this region. And it will ripple out as far as you can steward into the cosmos. Who knows? Into all of eternity. We don't know. And so I just really believe that that I that the Lord sent me to, I mean, I'm still in kindergarten in this, you know. I've had a couple of really cool experiences, but we all still have so much to learn because this is all new. You know, we've been in the religious system, and we've come out of that, but we're kind of like, well, you know, it's like we've been, we're out of Egypt, and we've been wandering in the wilderness because that's getting Egypt out of us, and we, I think we're in the promised land now. We're, we're kind of looking around going, what, what do we do now? There's giants in the land. We get to displace them. And, you know, think about this. It doesn't have to be very many. There was three and a half million people that came out of Egypt, but only two said, we can take them. And they did. So there doesn't have to be very many of you. I mean, 12 turned the world upside down, right? So I believe you guys are here to learn how to live out of the heavenly realm and legislate according to the heart of the Father through this gate, and I believe it will change everything. And he'll have to show you what that looks like for you. I can tell you what it looked like for us, and there's probably some similarities, but I'm sure there's lots of things that'll be completely unique to who you are and what God wants to do here. But I do know, I've been, you know, uh, Roger and Pam drove me around yesterday, and I'm just like, I'm looking at uh, Josh and Mary's house, and I'm drooling, you know, and I'm just driving around this area, and I'm like, this is so amazing. And I just kept thinking, this is a powder keg. It's going to blow. And I believe you guys are such a part of that. And I believe all of heaven, you know, I just sense that, you know, there's one from the cloud of witnesses that are just looking over the banister cheering you on. Ones that maybe started something and didn't finish it. And they're handing you the baton, and there's angels that are coming alongside of you that some of you might see and others might not. But this is bigger than you realize. This is not, oh, little blue jean church, we're doing the Sunday thing. This is so much bigger than that. And I'm just really in awe of what God's doing and so amazed. And I just know, I believe that there's little pockets of people. We, 
you know, we met each other this weekend, but there's others that we might meet, and you might connect, and you might connect, but I believe what God's doing is he's got little pockets of people all over the earth that are waking up to the reality of who we are and what we're called to do, and as we say yes to it, and as we just step in, you don't have to have it all right. (laughs) You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, I think it's better that you don't. Because we just moment by moment, the tree of the knowledge is about, tree of the knowledge of good and evil is about having it all figured out, and we know that doesn't work very well. The tree of life is moment by moment dependence upon the word of God and what he says to you this moment and the next moment and the next moment. And he's so got you guys. And I'm just excited to see again, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but if I can deposit into you the magnitude of why you're here and just the seed of you're seated in heaven and you get to govern earth affairs from that place because your bodies are here and your spirits are there and he'll show you what this looks like. If you'll say yes to it, he'll take it from there. I believe this is going to be like, you know, atomic bomb here. I really do. I'm not just saying that. So I was supposed to be speaking on worship today, and I'm going to a little bit, because worship is such a huge part of that. Now it is decreeing and declaring. We're shifting from, oh God, please do this, to I'm a son. I know your heart. Let's do this together. I decree and declare as one who has authority. But worship is actually a huge part of that. So, um, is it okay if I take five minutes? Just okay, okay. So, because uh, all that was all that was extra, I wasn't even planning on sharing all that. So, worship is a huge part of how we fill the earth with the glory of God, and I want to just explain a couple of key points. I have a longer teaching on YouTube because I'm not going to get all to it all today. It's kind of long, but. Um, I want to lay just a couple of quick foundations uh, because I think worship is something that is going to be a real key for you guys here um, that, will, that will just fill this gate because the Lord told me, occupy this gate with worship. And so that's what I do when I show up on, you know, we meet on Saturday nights, not for any spiritual reason, we just meet on Saturday nights. And, you know, Early on, you know, I'd get discouraged sometimes if there was not a lot of people there or if people freaked out or because we're different or whatever. And I've learned it's not about that. I'm going to stand in, in this gate, and I'm going to focus on him, and I'm going to release the reality of who he is through this gate if anybody's here or if anybody's not. All of heaven's here. One day he said to me, I was, you know, it was one of those nights where there's a lot of people out, a lot of people sick, and I'm like, you know, am I doing something wrong? You know, we always say that nonsense. And the Lord just says to me, he goes, why are you concerned about who's here and who's not here? Don't you see who I've sent from the heavenly realm to you? And it so pierced my heart, and then I just saw all these heavenly beings, and I was like, well, they're easier anyway. (laughs) They're less trouble, you know. So it's keeping our eyes on what's really real and keeping focused on what we're really here to do and then trusting him with the rest. So worship, we know this, worship is for him, but it's really for us. God is not insecure. He does not need us to tell him how awesome he is. He knows. He wants us to do it because what it does in us. Because what does worship do? Focusing on him 
frees us from self-focus, right? Because what we focus on, we empower. So when we focus on him and we focus on his power and his kindness and his love and his beauty, it empowers that in our life and it, we receive it into us and then it's released through us. So worship, we know he loves it when we love him because he's love, but really he wants us to worship him because he wants us to be free and that's the way to do it. You know, it's easy to become selfish when you're hurting. It's easy to become introspective, right? It's easy to feel like, oh God, I don't have anything to, that, I don't have anything worthy to give you. But we do. It's our heart, and that's that's what he that's what he wants. Worship is directly connected to dominion. So when I'm talking about legislating and ruling, reigning from heaven to earth. The original mandate, Adam lost it, Christ gave it back. Remember in uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, remember when Lucifer took Jesus to the top of the high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of this world? That was a spiritual high place, by the way, because I can't think of any earthly mountains that you can see all the kingdoms of this world. So Jesus had a supernatural experience there. He was trans-relocated to a spiritual high place. It's not weird. Jesus did it. Anyway, so what was the key there? Remember what Lucifer said? He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world and your glory. What? If you do what? If you worship me. Worship is directly connected to dominion. Who we worship, knowingly or unknowingly, is what has lordship over our life, over our community, over our city, over our nation, over the nations of the earth. Worship is a tangible point of agreement that allows spiritual reality to flood the earth, right? Where is gates, right? The two gate posts. It's an outworking of what's already happening in heaven. And at the very end, we're going to talk about the worship of heaven. But this is how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the sea. It's a point of agreement. We know this, but I just want to say it. Worship doesn't require music. It's a hard attitude. But worship is a channel that God has created through which it flows, and it's a powerful one. The Word of God and the Spirit of God, not religion, not society, not churchianity, not what we've seen before, not what we're comfortable with, not what we desire, but what the Bible says defines what worship is. Uh, Did you know that in the third century, people said that to write hymns was sacrilegious and unholy and that only psalms should be used? Did you know that? In AD 357, some warned that instruments and trained voices in the church was evil. In the 5th century, Bishop Gregory banned congregational singing and he made creativity and worship only accessible to the elite clergy. In AD 563, the Council of Braga forbade all singing except the Psalms of David. So this is what we call the Dark Ages, (laughs) when religion ruled the world. All that to say that We don't need to let anybody define for us what worship is supposed to look like except the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So what does the Bible say about worship? And I want to say this. um, I'm going to make this super quick. I'm going to fly through this so fast, and you might need to go back and kind of mine it out later. But we don't understand the Hebraic culture, and so we miss a lot. uh, When the Bible was translated into English, uh, we miss a lot of the nuances of what worship really means. And so... The, the, any of you familiar with Ray Hughes? 
he did an amazing teaching about, uh, he, he researched all the Hebrew words for praise, rejoice, and worship in the Bible, and what they really mean is, it will blow your mind, and it's not what we see in most churches today, but um, that's why, at, you know, back home, we're embracing this. It might look weird to churchianity, but if it aligns with the heart of God, sign me up. It's better to obey God than men. So the first Hebrew word for praise is yada, and it basically means raising your hands. I shared yesterday I grew up in a fundamentalist Baptist church, and you did not do that. And I will never forget to this day the first time I did it. I thought the whole world was staring at me. You know, I was like this, you know. Uh, But it's a sign of surrender. And I have scriptures for all of this where they're found in the Bible, but I'm going to skip it for today. Uh, but if you want them, I can, get, I can get all the scriptures for you of where these verses are found that use that particular word, yada. So it might be uncomfortable for us, but guess what? Spiritual growth is usually uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> we have to, he, he will always push us past our flesh. The second one, this is one of my favorites, is tehillah, and it means, uh, it refers to spontaneous, unrehearsed, unprepared prophetic song, and this is one of my favorites. Um, When uh, Psalm 43, when it says, when David says he's put a new song in my mouth, it's talking about tehillah. Psalm 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His tehillah praise will continually be in my mouth. That's that word. Uh, when, uh, when the Bible says he inhabits or sits enthroned upon the praises of his people in Psalm 22, it's tehillah praise. In Zephaniah 3.17, remember God said he, uh, he sings over us, he rejoices over us with singing. It's that word. It's the spontaneous. Uh, in church history, when Christians sang, uh, they sang Tehillah praise. And remember, the mouths of the lions were stopped. It was Tehillah, the spontaneous, moment by moment, just what he drops in our spirit at that time. And when it says, when Isaiah 60, 18 says, that the gate to enter his presence, it's that word praise. Uh, uh, Isaiah 61, 3, it's the spirit, it's the Tehillah praise that replaces the, that garment of heaviness. Remember that verse that says the spirit of praise, for the, I trade the spirit of praise for the garment of heaviness. It's to heal a praise. Paul sang the t- this word. This word is used when Paul sang in prison and God uh, broke the chains and busted him out of prison. And Psalm 66 too, when it says make his praise glorious, that's talking about to heal a. First uh, Chronicles 20, verse 2, that remember when they sang the praise and the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, remember, and they were defeated? It's that same word. Um, when, when I first started leading worship, you know, I shared yesterday, I, I was Baptist. I just knew hymns. And then I, you know, uh, somebody told me, you can just sing whatever God puts on your heart. And I was like, what? You can do that? And I've been hooked ever since. And uh, it, I've learned that the songs are the gateway. I love pre-written songs, and there's times that God picks one, and it's like, it's like an anthem that reverberates. Uh, it gets us in unity. You know, it, it, it gets us focused and, and decreeing the same thing. But to me, that's the door, and I want to step through the door. And I want to get to that moment by moment, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if there's something specific to what he's doing today, I want to be free to release it. It's the good stuff. Um, when I was a, a new worship leader, I, you know, I'd get my list prepared, and I'd have my little songs, and I'd pray about my list. And the Lord would say, you know, these are the songs I want. And then I'd get up there, and it would, like, be no songs on the list, all this other weird stuff. And finally, it happened for so long. You know, the, the, with the worship team, the, the joke was, well, is this the list of songs we're not going to do today? Uh-huh, you know, and uh, 
I was, I asked the Lord, well, why are you doing that? You know, you could tell me these other songs because I'm listening. And what he began to say is he began to show me that he's a brilliant military strategist. He outmaneuvers the enemy every time. And he was teaching me about that. You know, I guess the devil was watching my list and we, you know, I don't know. But he was, that's part of his nature. And he was just teaching me to follow him like that in that way. We're humbly dependent upon him to give us the things to worship him with. Um, I'm going to skip a couple. I'm going to mention one more, and then I'll let you guys go. Um, another one of my favorites is halal. Anybody heard of that word before? It's, uh, it, it's the primary word for praise in the Old Testament. It's mentioned over 110 times. And uh, our word hallelujah comes from this word. And it means to praise, to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, to be clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. Anybody ever done that on a Sunday morning? Everybody's going, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the wild dance that David did when he brought the ark back in Jerusalem. Remember the story in 2 Samuel uh, 6? And we, we know the story. We know what happened. You know, he was, this was the word that was used. And he, remember his wife despised him. And she said, you've made a fool out of yourself. Well, he said, well, I'll be even more foolish than this. That's a picture of the religious system that despises the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. And we know what happened to Michal, his wife. She died fruitless, right? She died childless. So this is showing us that that religious system that says things, now we know things are done decently and in order, but it's not our order. It's his order. I've been in gatherings that look like total chaos, but then Every piece just lined up, and you're at the end, you're looking at this tapestry, and it's like, wow, who thought this up? That's decently in an order. It's not the mind of man and the ways of man and the rigidness that we've all known in the church system. It's ordered by his Holy Spirit. And so um, a, a good friend of mine, when he was new in the Lord, he was ministering at this women's conference, and he was, uh, he was the head of the ministry, that, the prophetic ministry that I was in in um, Orlando, and he was, it got an amazing testimony. His name's Aaron, and he was a black Muslim, and he, the Lord appeared to him and said, um, the Bible's not a white man's book. I'm Jesus. You need to get saved, and he had to teach him not to hate white people, and he's got an amazing testimony, and so he was ministering at this uh, women's meeting, and he said all these women were just, you know, in the worship. They were just, you know, dancing, and he goes, weave was flying, and snot was flying, and he, and he said he despised him in his heart, and he said, he said in his heart to the Lord, well, it don't take all that, and the Lord, Holy Spirit convicted him and said, it takes all that and then some, and ever since then, that was before he started the ministry in Orlando, and he, he said, well, if that's you, Father, sign me up. And he was a demonstrative worshiper. And so what he did when we were under his covering, he freed us to be demonstrative worshipers with no shame. And, man, we did some stuff that was amazing in the realm of the Spirit. So it's so important. It's so important that we be free to do this. Um, I just want to mention, those are the two ones that I want to mention because those are the ones that are the most fun to me is the spontaneous prophetic song that just as, as, as we yield, he flows out. And again, there's a lot more words for praise that I'm not mentioning today, but 
many, many of the Hebrew words for praise and rejoice in the Bible, almost all of them have to do with moving the body. So this might be uncomfortable for you. It was so uncomfortable for me because I was raised in the church. I was taught that drums were from the devil and dance sent you to hell. And so, you know, it's very uncomfortable. And I had to break through a lot of barriers of religion and my own flesh and self-consciousness to even raise my hands or move my feet. But I remember this one time I was at, the, I was at uh, leading worship for a big conference and I was behind the keyboard. And the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to get down and start dancing. And I was like, okay. I mean, the stage was like twice as high as this, and it was like awkward, and I was leading worship. So I did. You know, there's some musicians that kept it going, and I, I know I look like an idiot. You know, I was just romping around and, you know, just doing that. And I came back up on the stage, and a friend of mine um, he was a hippie. He was this guy who traveled all in Europe, and it was a big guy, you know, big burly guy. He just grabs me in this big bear hug, and when he did, I knew that was the hug of the Father, just saying, I know how uncomfortable this was. I know how, what a death to the flesh this was for you, but I want you to know how proud I am of you. And again, it's not for him, it's for us. That broke chains off of me. I don't care what people think. I love you, but I don't care what you think. And it feels really good. But it was hard to get to that point. But not only is it freeing personally, what we see when we gather together, there are no limits. We're not limited by that religious thing. It's whatever he wants to do. I saw a dancer one time, before this time that I romped around looking odd. I had seen what started it. I was out at a conference, and there was a, a team doing prophetic dance. And I looked at this girl, and I was like, she is literally possessed by Holy Spirit. I could tell this dancer literally, her, you know, it's forever counterfeit. There's real, right? You know, demonic position. I could tell Holy Spirit was moving her body, and I was mesmerized by this girl because I could just feel her body was not her own. That's Bible. We are not our own. We're bought with our price. Our bodies are instruments of righteousness, and God wants to use them to usher himself into the earth. And I said, God, I want that. <laughs> famous last words and then I had to walk it out but he started me when I when I worked at a ministry for troubled teens called house I hope he started my journey I lived on campus because I was a house parent and we had a counseling center where we did worship and stuff and he had me get up at like five in the morning he told me to go and worship him in the counseling center so I went over there and to my dismay there was like these girls there who the, who had gotten up at five and I was like they were already there worshiping, and I was irritated because I was like, well, they're, you know, they're messing up my party or whatever, so I just went in my office. I had an office in the back, and they came and got me, and they're like, the Lord sent us here to worship in the mornings. He told him to come the same time, and what ended up happening in that dark room at like five in the morning with worship blaring with three girls who were totally safe the Lord gave me a safe place to learn how to move my body and not be afraid. And that was the beginning of the end. So for you, that could be your prayer closet. That could be your, you know, that could be your living room when, when everybody else is sleeping. It could be you come here in the middle of the night when nobody's here and you turn on the music and you romp around or whatever you do. But I just want to encourage you guys, as uncomfortable as it is, 
it's so worth it. And I would encourage you guys to explore those, those, that biblical way of praising in both your personal life and as a body. There will be people that won't like it. There will be people that will freak out. There will always be that. But it will be worth it. I guarantee it will be so worth it to you. And it's part of releasing heaven into the earth. So I was going to, I think that's good. I was going to have people come up, but I think it's long, so. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.